On this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, DeMichael Cole and I are back together, the dynamic duo back at work, talking Team USA against Italy, a big victory bounce back win for the Americans without much help from Jaron Jackson Jr. DeMichael, is center a long-term need all of a sudden for this team? And we're going to finish up looking at John Morant still getting some work in at private sessions with the likes of David Roddy and others. It's a jam-packed Wednesday edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a wild and wonderful edition of Locked On Grizzlies on this Wednesday. It's been too long for DeMichael Cole and myself to be together on an episode of our our beloved Locked On Grizzlies podcast. But thankfully, we are back as one. Sympatica, once again, so happy for joining us on this edition of the show. Locked On Grizzlies, as always, a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day free and available wherever you get your podcast check us out on youtube like comment rate review subscribe all of those fun things to michael it's good to see you again my friend we've been playing a phone tag a little bit we've been playing life tag a little bit in terms of our various day jobs and the work that we put yeah. in but it's always good when you and i are able to get together it's it's great it's it's great joe and and i miss, i miss it you know it's it's been some interesting things happening around the grizzlies and and, you know, I always look forward to hearing your perspective on some of these things and and, and how we, you know, we, we we generate good conversation, I think. So um, it's great to be back, you know, as, as a duo. And, and we got a nice slate of things to talk about today. Yeah, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., after my episode about him on our Labor Day edition of the podcast, uh, he came out against Team Italy and didn't do much better, right? He... Uh, Played 10 minutes, got three fouls in the process. He did grab three rebounds. We do need to tip our cap and give credit where credit is due. The three boards, an improvement over the one that he grabbed in their tough loss against Lithuania. But to Michael, you know, not to repeat a prior topic, but a lot of the same issues, especially with foul trouble, kind of reared their ugly head. And it seemed like Steve Kerr, at least for this particular game, said enough was enough. On my Monday edition of the show, I talked about maybe Jaron's a reserve if he can't be what they need him to be as a true starting five. Maybe that's not the angle they took in this game, but they certainly decided to try something different when Jaron was not able to be on the floor for them. Yeah, and and here's my thing with that. Um, I just think that, he isn't your traditional, as, as we've said in the past, he isn't your traditional center in terms of the Olympic style for, for Team USA. If you think of Team USA in the past, uh, you've looked at the centers that have come through there. It's Tyson Chandler. It's, it's DeAndre Jordan. It's Dwight Howard. Uh, the skill level is so high at every other position. You got the best scoring and passing point guards. You got Anthony Edwards, who, I mean, he looks like the future of the NBA right now, you know, over there. Uh, you got guys like Mikael Bridges, who Joe Moltenax loves so, so dearly. Uh, you got Cam Johnson. Like, you Big got, Mikael Bridges fan. Big Mikael Bridges Joe, fan. Joe, he made you look good on yesterday. Did you Did you see his performance? He, yeah, he I would have given up four or five first for that version of Mikael Bridges. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but, but then, so you factor in – 
what everyone did and what everyone is capable of at Team USA, you you don't need a center to score 20 points on this team. You don't, you're not gonna throw it in the post to these guys and say, go dominate the game. You don't need that. You you got Brandon Ingram, one of the better isolation scores. Granted, we haven't seen it as much in this FIBA, um, you know, right now in, in this FIBA setting, but one of the better isolation scores in the game. So uh, Team USA is just so ridiculously talented that usually all they need their centers to do is block shots, which is Jaron is amazing at, rebound the basketball, which he's not so good at, and set screens, which he's not so good at. So pretty much the three primary things that you need him to do, he's only good at one of them. Uh, but I think, as you said, potentially making him a reserve, you could put him in a different role where he could – Kind of flourish, you know, in a, in a second unit. Think about this is another thing, you know, in a second unit. Maybe he wouldn't get the ball more because you got Brandon Ingram playing on the second unit now. You got Tyrese Halliburton operating pick and roll. But I think playing alongside of Tyrese Halliburton would be much easier, much easier than playing alongside Jalen Brunson as your starting point guard. Jalen Brunson is a great, you know, scoring guard, I think. But he he and Tyrese Halliburton are the difference in between. They are primarily why basketball is positionless now because those are two completely different styles of play. But in the technicality of it, they both play point guard. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is a guy who averaged over 10 assists in the NBA this past season. Right now he's dominant all over the place for Team USA. I think you put Jaron in a lineup with him. Jaron gets a lot of easy touches on the offensive end, uh, and everything flows a little bit better for him. But – I mean, he's the most talented big, without a doubt, easily. I mean, Bobby Porter's, Walker Kessler, those guys are are not in Jaron Jackson Jr.'s stratosphere from a talent standpoint. So, Joe, I'm fighting it. Like, I think I think you have to push him through this. He has to start because at the end of the day, uh, when you're going against all these talented players, you know, oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is an all-star in the NBA. Uh Maybe a breakout game comes from him. Look at Mikael Bridges we're talking about. He hasn't had a wild game yet, and then no. boom. Against True. Italy, he looked like the guy that's been playing with the Nets. So maybe that game is still coming for Jaron, but I think uh, you got to fight through. I don't. I don't think a lineup change is what you have to do. But the rebounding, uh, it's very concerning, and not even in the FIBA game. It's concerning going forward on the Grizzlies side. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Selfishly, right? Because this is locked on Grizzlies. It's not locked on Team USA. Selfishly, I want them to keep starting Jaron at the five because, again, even with the poor returns to this point, that's still what I want, Michael. I still want Jaron Jackson Jr. to be the long-term center for the Memphis Grizzlies. And as you alluded to, we'll mention uh, later on in the show whether or not that's still even something that they should bank on, right? Maybe there should be a plan B, and we'll discuss what that might look like uh, later on in, the, in our episode here. But I, I do want to get your take before we move on to that, to Michael on – how Jaron, because you and I talked a little bit over the weekend, especially when Jaron was going through his rebounding issues. And I won't say exactly what was said between the two of us, but we, we both made it clear that it was not cool that Jaron only had one rebound basically in six quarters of play. Nice. At what point, and this will kind of tie into what we're going to talk about next, at what point do you say he is what he is? Because on one hand, he's still young, right? Mm-hmm. Like He's still young. He's under the age of 25. He still could count on all those young core rankings for the Grizzlies and, and the NBA sphere of content production. But he's going into what? His fifth or sixth NBA season? Like at, at what stage do you say this guy is what he is in terms of 
being a uniquely talented big man who is not going to traditionally do the things that we are used to seeing bigs do. Yeah. Uh, Joe, it might be that time. And, and here's, here's where I've kind of debated and, and really tried to figure out what can he be? Uh, I've kind of said that if you think about historically, the greatest power forwards to ever play in the NBA, throw three names out real quick. And then uh, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. Yep. And Anthony Davis. Three yeah. of probably the 10 best power forwards to ever play. I like two of those more than I like one of the other ones, but that's fair overall. I, I think Anthony Davis is probably the one that you uh, – Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that one. The other two I'm on. He's, anyway. he's a champion, and he's ridiculously talented. Does uh, the bubble count, though? Uh, we're going down a rabbit hole here. Yeah, but, carry on. They're, they're all good, especially Tim they, Duncan. I'm with you with Duncan on, and Garnett. And if, But you remember what Duncan and, and Garnett did later in their careers. Uh, Duncan switched to center. Led apart, won another championship while playing as a center. Went to two NBA finals while primarily terribly fans. underrated. Tim Duncan, terribly, terribly underrated. underrated, one of the, arguably the best power forward of all time. Uh, Kevin Garnett, same thing late in his career. Uh, when he first went to the Celtics, played power forward alongside Kendrick Perkins, and then later years made the switch to five. Still was smooth, still a great player. Anthony Davis, really in the last two seasons, has finally made the switch to center, despite a lot of people feel like he should have done it maybe a year or two sooner. But Anthony Davis played center this past season and was very good at center, statistically speaking. I'll say that for Joe Mullen next. But with all that being said, the difference between those three guys and Jaron, because I've I've been one of those people who said those three guys are examples of power forwards who made the switch to center and why I believe in Jaron being a center. But then it clicked. Kevin Garnett was a great rebounding power forward. Anthony Davis was arguably the best rebounding power forward when he was playing power forward primarily with the Lakers. Tim Duncan, you can say the same thing, was probably the best rebounding power forward while he was playing at power forward. Jaron is, uh, I mean, to be frank, he's not even average I mean, in that area. We've, we've looked at the numbers on cleaning the glass. Joe's broke them down for us. And he's not even average at this point of his career. So, uh, I think at this point we have, should have seen some type of improvement by now. Um, I, I, I won't give up on it, though, Joe, because he is 6'11". And you know what else I tried to find? And I'm sure there's an example out there. But if you look at, like, it, it's what Jaron is, it's just it's an anomaly. Like, statistically, like, you don't see guys who are that great as shot blockers and then that bad as rebounders like those two things don't even out to block shots you got to go up and get it to rebound you got to go up and get it but he's the stats only show that he's great at one of those yeah it, it is an anomaly that's a great way to put it and you would hope that one would catch up to the other at least somewhat at some point you know in the past we've talked about with John Morant right if he could just be a net neutral defender how much more impactful his offense would be if Jaron Jackson Jr. could just be a net neutral rebounder, because right now he's bad to below average at best, right? If he could just be a net neutral rebounder, how much more impactful would he be on winning for the Memphis Grizzlies? I think that's fair to ask, and it's fair to wonder if he's ever going to get to that stage at this point, which will lead us to our next ep or next segment excuse me, of Locked on Grizzlies. We'll be talking about should the Grizzlies start thinking about long-term center options instead 
before our wonderful listeners in New Zealand and other Stephen Adams fans get mad at us. That's not what I'm talking about. Stephen Adams obviously getting older. I mean, once Stephen Adams has to be moved on from, whenever that time comes, do the Grizzlies need to start thinking of what that looks like when it's, if it's not Jaron Jackson Jr.? We're going to talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the absolute best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Is it time to start thinking about a plan B when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr.? Maybe not being a long-term answer at center for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Molinax, one of your hosts. I am of Bluff City Media, also of SB Nation from time to time. It's nice to be able to say one of your hosts because my co-host, DeMichael Cole, the commercial appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for that publication, is back with me. We are together once again, and we've been talking Jaron Jackson Jr., Team USA, blowing out Italy without much from Jaron. Obviously, Jaron is significant to winning for Team USA, that the numbers bear that out as we talked about numbers a moment ago. The numbers suggest that Jaron is pretty important to what Team USA wants to do overall. The numbers also suggest that Jaron is still having foul trouble, still struggling as a rebounder, as DeMichael, you mentioned earlier. You start to look at the grand scheme, right? The 30,000-foot view, the macro, however you want to describe it. Jaron is under contract for the next three years, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, Steven Adams is under contract for the next two. And Steven Adams is one of the oldest players, no longer the oldest player, I don't think. Uh, but you know, we got Derek Rose on the team now. So he's got he's got Steve O beat, I believe. Um, but Steven Adams is a veteran player, one of the oldest players on the roster, obviously coming off of knee issues. The Grizzlies have a first-round pick in the upcoming 2024 NBA draft. I say upcoming. It's, you know, nine months away, an entire basketball season away. But the point that I'm trying to get here to, to Michael, is this. The Memphis Grizzlies, at least me, watching this roster, I have just assumed that eventually, whether it's two years from now, three years from now, if they sign Steven to another extension, it's eventually going to be Jaron's center position to play. Right. Are, are we still at that place? Do you still... Or were you ever at that place? Maybe is the first part of this question. And, and secondly, do you doubt it more than you ever have before? Would it surprise you? Like you kind of predicted that the Grizzlies were going to go for guards, guys that can handle yeah. the ball a little bit in free agency. You nailed that. Do you foresee yourself looking at this roster and saying, you know what? Xavier Tillman's an unrestricted free agent, probably going to cost some money. They have a first-round pick, four years of guaranteed rookie money or low rookie money because they have team options. Is this the time where it's kind of put up or shut up and you have to start thinking about a long-term post-Steven Adams endgame where Jaron is not the starting center for the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, I think so. But Joe, I'm going to throw you a curveball real quick. going to throw you a curveball because – I like curveballs. I, I, I do think that um, – 
we have to start like literally it, and and I'm speaking to myself as well. It's literally it was only a week or so ago where I said Jaron looks like he could potentially be the future center of this team. But as the NFL referees say upon further review, uh the ruling is overturned. At least right now. At least right now, man. You how know, much of a difference a week can make? How much of a difference a week can make? Uh Jonas Valanciunas and, and Vucevic. That's how much of a difference uh a week can make. But with all that being said, here's my curveball. Yes, center could potentially be a, a long-term need, but that doesn't mean the answer isn't already on the roster. I've always said this: if you know, outside, outside of if Jaron isn't your natural fit to to just slide over to the five, put him alongside Asante Aldama. We talked about how net rating wise that that lineup. As that two-man lineup blasted any two-man lineup on the Grizzlies. Santi Aldama and Jaron Jackson Jr. was with a better two-man lineup than Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard from a net rating perspective. With all that being said, what about Kenneth Lofton Jr.? Now, here's here, here's where I'm going with this because what's our concern? The Michael Cole. Here's our you concern. don't believe in your heart that it could be Kenneth Lofton Jr. I'm, I'm You're throwing this that for the clicks and the views. It's September 6th as we I'm have this show, and you are just trying to generate hashtag content. I, this is this is a Sandy Koufax curveball right Michael here. Cole. This is, for my Braves fans, this is that Max Free curveball. Because check, check it out. All right. I'm listening. Defensively, defensively, there are some concerns, right? Kenneth Lofton Jr., uh, there are some concerns there. But what is he great at? He, As we've seen up to this point, maybe not in the NBA as much, but – Every time we've seen him take the floor, rebounding has been something that he's been really good at. He's been a great rebounder. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. can play alongside of him on the defensive end, and it can kind of be like a Ja and Dylan or now Ja and Marcus Smart situation. When the center, you know, is potentially a guy uh, that Jaron may match up better against, they can swap those type of guys. They can swap. Lofton could get this guy. You get this guy. But at the end of the day, I think Kenneth Lofton Jr., as he continues to refine his body a little bit, it's an option that you can consider. And that's what I want to throw out there. Uh, center is a long-term need because right now you don't have a direct roadmap of who will be the starting center for the Grizzlies in four years. You, can, you can't say the same for point guard, shooting guard, and wherever you plan on putting Jaren. I'd say power forward. But um, the thing is, I put it like this. If Kenneth Lofton Jr. were to be a starter in the NBA, Jaron Jackson Jr. would be one of the easiest pieces to plug alongside of him uh, because that's someone that could play beside him. Jaron Jackson Jr., for all he brings defensively, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. can give you the rebounding that he lacks. Scoring-wise, we already know what Lofton brings on that side of the basketball. He's a great offensive rebounder as well. I'm not closing the door on him being a potential starter as well. Do I think this is what's going to happen? No. That's probably what you want to hear, Joe. I think that we will have to consider the option of a potential first-round pick or a potential outside free free agent uh, being that next long-term center. But I'm not closing the door. I want to say that. I'm not closing the door on Kenneth Lofton Jr. starting alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. DeMichael, how tall is Kenneth Lofton Jr.? How tall is Draymond Green? How tall is P.J. Tucker? Whoa, How whoa, tall is whoa, Dennis whoa, Rodman? Whoa. 
those three dudes are very different from Kenneth Lofton Jr. And you Fair. know it. Okay. Okay. Very How tall is Big Baby Davis? Again, that that is a better comp. I'll give you that. I'm I'm cooler with the Big Baby Davis comp than I am Dennis Rodman um, or Draymond Green. Like those are guys that are elite defensively. Kenneth Lofton yeah. Jr. will never be elite <laughs> ever. But in fairness to your harebrained scheme there to generate content in September, I think that you you're not wrong when it comes to the idea of them playing well together. Right. Like I could see that happening to me when I look at how well Jaron and Steven Adams play together. The three things that you outlined earlier in the show, screen setting, rebounding and being a good rim protector. Steven Adams might be the worst of the of those three things as a rim protector. Right. But he is elite at being big and using his body to dominate the glass and be an excellent setter of screens. I want another seven footer if they're going to go with Lofton, the first round. Lofton can set you screens and and the, the body thing, right? He he can do that, right? To Michael, come on! Uh, you're you're everybody's going to be mad at me in the comments, and everybody's going to love you per <laughs> usual because you're trying to get Kenneth Lofton Jr. starting center minutes. I want a seven foot tall, two hundred and fifty pound guy. I have seen enough from Stephen Adams, and again, all of our wonderful Kiwi listeners. I'm not saying I would extend Steven Adams again as long as he's healthy. Yeah, if his knee comes out fine, I agree. Mm -hmm. If you could pay him $12 million every year for the next four years, do it. Like the price is just going up. So I know that. And that's part of my logic. If I could find another seven foot, 250 pound guy, even if he's not as good as Steven Adams, but cost wise, it fits what the Grizzlies need better because money's going to continue to get tight, then. I think that would make a lot of sense. So if Steven Adams can stay around on a discount, that'd be awesome. But it sounds like we might be on the same page, at least with the idea that it might be time to start thinking uh, what the future at center looks like without Jaron being that guy. Not because we're moving on from Jaron Jackson Jr. He's going to be a Grizzly forever, hopefully. Uh, but you might need to move on, or I might need to move on from the idea of Jaron Jackson Jr. as the starting center. Hopefully that changes. Uh, but it, it doesn't look good right now. That's safe to say. Something that does look good right now is John Morant getting some work in with some other Grizzlies. Pictures coming up on social media. Positive social media interactions uh, for once when it comes to John Morant. We're going to talk about the young Grizzlies working out with Ja privately, obviously, not on Grizzlies grounds. Next, here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies, finishing up our Wednesday edition of the show I am hanging out here as Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media, also of SB Nation from time to time. My co-host, Michael Cole, of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, back with me. So good to be together. Even if it's just for one show this week, uh, it is good for us to be back together anytime it can happen. And, of course, training camp's coming around the corner, and we'll be getting back into our own kind of preseason preparations here soon on Lockdown Grizzlies, but it's still the season, DeMichael, of off-season videos and workouts and pictures being taken at high school gyms. And John Morant, who is not able to be on the Grizzlies facilities grounds due to his current suspension state, he is getting workouts in wherever he can, and he's bringing some Grizzlies along for the ride. Some guys that I've seen recently include David Roddy, Gigi Jackson. There's probably others who I haven't seen, and obviously, just because it's not on social media, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? It's very possible 
other guys are getting work and they're just saying, hey, can you not put that on Instagram? So how do you feel about Morant? Obviously still a significant part of this team moving forward. He is suspended for 25 games. Both Roddy and Gigi Jackson are younger players. Jackson has the connection to South Carolina with Jaw, so it kind of makes sense that they would, you know, hook up a little bit in terms yeah. of getting some offseason workout in. How do you see Jaw working with these guys? And what will that lead up to in terms of preparations for when Morant does return to the court? Yeah, I think it remains to be seen overall because there's so many factors that has to go into when will Ja be allowed to be back around the team? Like we got to remember right now in the off season, he's around these guys a little bit more. You mentioned, you know, uh, being on the floor with David Roddy, being on the floor with Gigi Jackson uh, and, and, and those guys. And also, you know, he also, he's been around the players, you know, he had a birthday party for his daughter and, and things like that. And, and some of the Grizzlies players, you know, attended that, you know, at his home and things like that. So he's been around the players, uh, during this time period, you know, a little bit. And, and the team chemistry is, is steadily, you know, it's gone. But uh, my thing is once one thing that's still hanging out there that we have to figure out and we, we will learn is uh, when will job be allowed to be back in those facilities around the team? Uh, because right now, yeah, we can go. You want to go uh, hoop uh, job at this gym, at that gym? Yeah, sure, we can do that. But once October 2nd gets here and it's media day and the Grizzlies are off and running, they're going to be practicing. There's a no, I don't want to go after I leave practice, go in the gym with you at 9 p.m. at some random high school gym in the city. Like, no, I'm going to bed or I'm going to spend some time with my family. So at that point, that's when the distance will start to be a factor. I think right now it's not really a big deal. Um, it's good to see, you know, he's still around. Uh, around the players, around the team, he's practicing with those guys. Uh, but I think that the big hanging fruit out there right now is when will job be allowed uh, to be back around the team? As I've said in the past, to, to kind of clarify on that end, everyone that I've talked to around league circles have kind of said the same thing in terms of it's highly doubtful. It's I would almost say it's not going to happen. The league is not going to keep him away from the team all the way up until uh, December 18th. Uh, he will be allowed to be around the team before that game on December 19th, uh, more than likely. So he'll have time to ramp up. He'll have time to practice. He'll have time to build himself up around his teammates. But the question remains when that'll be. Uh, but as of this summer, it's good to see, you know, he's around those guys. And it's not just even in the basketball environment. I think that's important too, because, uh, think about guys like Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart. They come to this team. They don't know what to expect. They see, they they read and see things about John Morant, but now they get to kind of forge their own relationships with him and, and, and learn about him. And, hey, come over to our house and do this. Come over to my house and do that. And that's what this time is more about. Uh, on the floor, I think what we need to see is when will he be allowed to be around the team? Uh, because, quite frankly, he's not going to get a lot of practice time with them until that's the case. First-hand relationship building as opposed to second-hand relationship building, right? Getting to know straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, what the person is like as opposed to news reports or what you might hear in NBA circles, various locker rooms, that sort of thing. Um, by the way, I think you're right, DeMichael, and obviously you're more tuned in source-wise than me, but just to rehash old wounds, you know how I know? 
that Ja's yeah. going to be allowed around the team again because the first darn national televised game, or the, on TNT at least, that the Memphis Grizzlies have is December 19th against the New Orleans Pelicans. They're Surprise. not scheduling that accident. Yeah, <laughs> mind blown, right? Um, I'm with you. I, I think that something that gets lost, because again, I, I live in Virginia. I work in Virginia. I have grizzly stuff up in my classroom and my students give me hell, right? You know, things like that. Um, what, what I say is young people do dumb things, right? And that doesn't make it excusable. He should be punished and reprimanded, but there also should be an aspect of rehabilitation, which, you know, Adam Silver, the most overrated uh, commissioner in all of sports, he has said, hey, we want to try to help Ja and get him in a better condition and better space. So I'll take him at his word on that. You don't just throw people away, right? And I think that whether you have a birthday party for your friend or for your daughter and your friends on the team come, getting this open run with a David Roddy here, a Gigi Jackson there, those are all pieces of evidence that people aren't just pushing him aside. And hopefully that can be additional credit being built with those people and also hopefully it can be a sign of investment right like we're investing in john morant the person you're not going to help us right away as john morant the top 10 or 15 player in the world at basketball you are going to be important to us because we see the value in you as jaw the guy that we like spending time with not just jaw the elite athlete and Hopefully, as Morant continues to find his footing and work on himself, which he and others have made it clear he needs to do, I think this could be something that helps in that process. I'm optimistic in that way, too. Yeah, and and again, we've talked about the roster changeover, uh, how that's being reconstructed. I think all that's important to point out as well. Right. Uh, the fact that you're going to have Marcus Smart, who uh, – even if the age and the experience doesn't tell you enough, the proof is in the pudding about him stepping up to young stars and telling them where they need to be better. He's told he's been in Jason Tatum's face and said, you need to improve in this area. He's been in Jalen Brown's face and he sold the media. They need to pass the ball or whatever they need to do. They need to take better shots. Uh, Marcus Martin is that guy in terms of that area. He's not going to be that guy who I think will be an enabler of, of some sort right. you know, uh, for John Moran, which is good. And then Derrick Rose, like that's your, hey, the experience. Like he, he's right. been through a lot of things uh, at this point, and he was that young explosive point guard uh, that people thought, you know, was just the best thing since sliced bread. He was that guy too. He was the youngest MVP mm -hmm. ever. So uh, you get all these different perspectives to add uh, to the table. I think it'll be good. Uh, it'll do it'll do the Grizzlies some good, and and we just got to see uh, when Ja is going to be able to be around these guys from the basketball platform in terms of when he's able to be in the gym with them and things like that. And um, I think uh, that's where we can start to to really uh, figure out uh, how this thing is going to go. That is really the most important part, and the sooner that Ja can be around Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose, the better. I think we all can agree on that. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. It is much appreciated. Again, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. Locked On Podcast Network is doing big things heading into our season, and DeMichael and I are very excited for season two of working together. We're in prep for that over the next several weeks. 
here on Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, DeMichael, you'll be flying solo on the next episode. The next few days are pretty crazy for me, if I'm being honest. Uh, this is the busiest time of year for me. I'm going to be very tired. It's very hot here in Virginia. Uh, I think even hotter than it is in Memphis right now. And I have to have, you know, 5 or 6 a.m. morning practices. So I'm going to be very sleepy-faced. Uh, but anyway, that's going too far down the, the rabbit hole. Uh, just a general idea, what you think. Obviously, FIBA still going on. Some other things you might be discussing. Uh, yeah. later on this week on Lockdown Grizzlies. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some people coverage for sure. And um, Jaren, it'll pretty much be Jaren coverage at this point. Uh, we'll have that and potentially some other things as well centered around the Grizzlies and what's going on around, you know, with the team. So sounds good. So make sure you're checking out DeMichael on an end of the week edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Again, we're a few weeks away from getting kicked back into high gear. Your team each and every day will be true once again. But for the next few weeks, hopefully you'll continue to be patient with us as DeMichael and I uh, ease ourselves in to what is going to be a wild and wonderful 2023-2024 NBA season. For, for Michael Cole, I am Joe Mullinax. Until next time, stay locked in, Grizzlies fans, wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. This is Locked.